Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friends, welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and him, Robbie Earl. Robbie, my question to you today, are you still riding that high from the Henry Jackman <laughs> interview like I am? Of course I am. Oh my gosh. I, I don't think I've ever been so excited to listen back to an episode that we've recorded, which I mean, I, I don't, we don't always do no. for pure entertainment purposes. I mean, we, we, you know, we listen back, um, for quality checks sometimes, but this is one that I wanted to listen back to, uh, just because I enjoyed it so much. And man, I, I, this is one that I've, I've loved sending to folks. If you're just listening to this and you missed it, I know sometimes those Thursday episodes can fly under the radar. Please go and check out our, our interview with Henry Jackman, who composed the score for uh, Winter Soldier, Civil War, and uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because holy cow, that episode, I was so, I think I was about as excited for that interview as I've been for any interviews that we've gotten (laughs) to do, and I think it is fair to say that it it very much exceeded even my pretty high expectations. So a little bit of full disclosure here, we don't do this very often, but just to pull back the curtain, Robbie and I, you know, we set these things up and we don't know if it's going to be 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Like we have a few questions prepared and we don't really know how the guest is going to be. You know, we've never met each other. So you always get a little bit nervous when you're in the waiting room and then you see the name. You're like, oh, gosh. okay, here we go. Henry Jackman's actually here. (laughs) So for him to just like turn out to be the most warm, kind fun loving guy was so much fun but like if you go to youtube and watch the video as he's not only is he answering the questions really well right but when he starts taking the camera to the piano room you and i are like (laughs) kids at christmas you know you can see our face like i'm like are you kidding me let's go like this is not it's like it turned into an hour-long thing of him sitting at the piano, a world-class composer sitting at the piano, like talking to us as if we were just like buds. Um, I, I yeah. think he genuinely enjoyed it, and I think we could probably get him back, like for real. And the full disclosure part too is that we said, All right, see ya, thank you. And I ended the meeting. And I bet what it took 10 seconds for you to call me. And I tried to call you at the exact same time. And we just went, holy crap. 
what just <laughs> happened? So I, I'm not trying to be so self-promotional here. We plug our episodes a lot. I get it. But seriously, if you missed last week for us, like I know that not everybody is into the music side of things as much as we are. So I get that. Sure. But Henry was just a fun one, even if you're not even into music. I mean, yes, it gets really nerdy right. musically, no doubt. We're, st- we're talking about the number system, which I love, but some of you out there have no <laughs> idea what I'm even talking about. But he's also, like, crazy immersed into these characters and stories, too. Like, he has an incredible answer about Kevin Feige that mm-hmm. made my heart so full. Okay, I'm done. But just go listen to the episode. Like Robbie said, it can sometimes fly under the radar. Henry Jackman interview last Thursday. You're going to love it. Yes, and and make sure that uh, that you make it to at least the forty five minute mark on that True. interview because that's that's when what Kyle is talking about things start getting especially fun, um, and and Henry takes us into his studio. So I, I know, like Kyle said, we get very into the into the weeds musically. So don't uh, don't trail off before then because you'll miss out. <laughs> on the episode itself, I said. I understand we've lost half our audience at this point when we're talking about like minor three to four to one progression, the tonic. (laughs) And I'm like, people are like, what are you talking about? But I think there's just so much energy and it's so cool to hear him playing the themes in different ways that it still still works. I mean, when he he plays that Captain America theme that he wrote on the the high piano, I mean, it's just, I I felt things. I had chills, Kyle. And I'm not (laughs) even the one that gets the chills. I know. Yep. I love it. He, by the all way, right, la- right, la- right. I know, hold on, last thing. He, in the interview, said he had chills. He said he had to work for something till he got chill bumps on his spine or spine That's chill true. bumps. So That's I was like, true. let's go. I'm not the only one. <laughs> he gets it. What a great, what a great uh, indicator, by the way, of when, of when something works. Like, I, I, you're right. He was talking about that looking for the right Winter Soldier sound which was another incredible part of the interview. And he talked about just basically working until he found something that gave him chills in that, in that way, which is such a cool way of, of, of thinking about how to compose a, a score and how to think of a character theme. Hashtag I have chills. Your wife, Candace, came up with the best merch idea. We have T-shirts available now, by the way. You can get them at the FFWpodcast.com. But at some point, we want to make some mugs or thermoses that say friends from work. And on the back, it says... <laughs> Hashtag I have chills, which is perfect. Get it? Mug, thermos. It's funny, but I think it's perfect. Your wife, she's I pretty smart. It. Candace is not. She is. Yeah, she's not dumb. Much um, smarter than I am. <laughs> she is a little smarter than you are. That I can vouch for that. <laughs> um, but right. now you basically have heard the whole interview and us just ranting about it, which I love. But now we're turning the page, guys, to Loki. It is May 31. Do you know what that means? There's less than 10 days till Loki comes out. So get your mind right, people. Like, it's time to get your mind right, okay? You got to get your mind right. (laughs) That's always been one of my least favorite lines from that movie. I mean, he approaches him being so vulnerable. And are you kidding me? He gets turned down. He's going to tell him that he invented the Iron Man suit. It's like, no, you got to get your mind right. Okay, listen to him. You're best friends. He wanted you to be a part of that idea. I hated that part. I think I brought that up in the episode, actually. As one of, yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, okay, perfect. Um, Loki comes out June 9. I'm also concerned that you guys are not understanding the gravity of our episodes are coming out on Thursdays now. <laughs> are you, are you, so, like, the Henry Jackman thing is a good precursor of getting you used to it, okay? Yeah. Again, we're just getting your mind right. 
it's you know it's fun I, I really love not only do we have that week of talking about music um but we also you know we're capping off what like the better part of two months of talking about Captain America world um then you know we we had an episode a little bit back kind of reflecting on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and so it, it's really nice to sort of cap off no pun intended uh that era and now we are we are turning fully in the opposite direction uh to to Thor world which we have not been in now for so long and that's so fun it's just such a a, a refreshing kind of change of pace here so I can't wait let's dive into and something you just said really quickly that makes me so happy is you said we're kind of capping off that era and that's so true. Something Henry said in the interview again is like, it's amazing that there are these like separate eras, if you will. Like, doesn't WandaVision in a weird way feel totally different from Falcon and Winter Soldier? Right. And now this feels like it's going to be totally different. Different storylines, different characters, different vibes. And yet, at the same time, it's familiar enough that it coexists in the same universe. Right. I love that. I love that we can just say, okay, we're going to pause on the Cap era for a second, and now we're going to mm-hmm. deal with, like, the Thor era, kind of, for a second. Well, and it's so – that's one of the really fun things about the Disney Plus shows, too, uh, that we were sort of talking about way back before WandaVision started that's just really different, right? Like, there are some exceptions. Like, I feel like Infinity War and Endgame especially were such cultural moments that I would say we – collectively, especially Endgame, were very much in that space for a long time. But most of the time, a movie comes out, you go see it, you're probably talking about it for the weekend or the week, and then you're kind of moving on. But because these are spaced out, it really does let us live in these worlds for a bit. And and so you're right. I think it like we very much were in this like WandaVision headspace for a long time and then and then Falcon Winter Soldier. So it it is like you're actually kind of entering uh, this whole different environment for a bit. Crazy. Um, okay, in preparation for today, both Robbie and I re-watched Thor 1 and The Avengers, the first one, which is something we encourage you guys to do last week on social media if you follow us there at the FFW Podcast. Yep. Because, again, we are preparing and getting our mind right for Loki. So let's dive in. But... Uh-oh, look at us. <laughs> look at us now. Talk, talking about new eras here. Yeah, right. Uh, we, for the first time in, in nearly two years of doing this podcast, finally have the opportunity to partner with some sponsors that we are really excited about. Kyle and I, have, this is something we've thought about for a long time. We had always said that if we ever have any partnerships like this, um, we wanted to make sure that it was with some folks that we felt like really shared our vision and uh, you know some, some projects and some causes that we believed in. And we're super excited uh, to kind of go into this, into this Loki period uh, with some new folks here on the, on the Friends From Work team. Right. And we just wanted you guys to know out there, because you've been listening for two years. We love that. Thank you so much. Like your listenership, you being a part of this has allowed us to do this as Robbie and I kind of try to transition this from a hobby to a job for us, which has just been a dream come true, literally. So your support is helping us do that. And we've always from day one wanted to be careful about putting out anything that wasn't quality, right? So we don't want to put out a shirt if it's not cool. We don't want to put out a mug if it's not cool. And we don't want to partner with a company if we don't believe in what they're doing. So if you hear us talking about something on here, it's probably because Robbie and I 
truly believe in the company. So you can take it from us. We're not just doing this willy-nilly. So on that note, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. What is interfering with your happiness? And is there something that's preventing you from achieving your goals? Just like we've seen with Wanda Maximoff and Bucky Barnes, your mental health is very important. BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have professional licensed counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, grief, self-esteem, and a whole lot more. You can connect in a safe and private online environment and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Remember, this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help, but it is professional counseling done securely online. And you can stay in touch with your counselor. You can send them a message anytime and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly phone or video sessions all without ever having to leave your home. I want you to start living a happier life today. And so as a listener of Friends From Work, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash FFW. Again, join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash FFW. All right. So we do have this little mini rewatch that we've been embarking on leading up to the Loki premiere. And yes. today we are going to talk about the first two installments in that rewatch, uh, which are, of course, Thor and Avengers. And in some way, it's the majority of the Loki time we get, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we'll, and we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the episode, too, because there is some interesting stuff going on there in, in terms of these movies in particular. Uh, but yeah, let's, you know, we're talking a lot about kind of the the growth of of Loki and and who that character has become and, and who we're sort of expecting that to be here over the next few days. And so obviously uh, we have to start back at the at the beginning. So yeah, let's start with the 2011 film Thor, uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Man, Kyle, <laughs> um, it's always it's always so funny to go back to this one um, for me. And and you know, people have seen our rankings. We've we've ragged on this movie some, but I I will say it for for all of its sort of inconsistencies, uh, it is with hindsight. It, it, it's a fun little <laughs> bit of nostalgia to to revisit, um, particularly as it as it relates to to our main characters here, which I would, I would say would be uh, Thor and, and Loki for our purposes. It's funny because Thor and the Dark World kind of inhabit a unusual space in the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> where both you and I know they aren't very good. I think it's my second to last and third to last movies right. on my rankings. But because of Ragnarok, because of how much I like Thor, because of Infinity War and Endgame and Thor in those movies... Yeah, it's a very easy rewatch for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that. Like, it's it's not a burden. So it's like, it's pretty, oh, it's a perfect example for me because Falcon and Winter Soldier, I, talk, I talked about how it kind of felt like a little bit of work to go back and rewatch it. Right. It's That show is so much better than both of those movies I just mm-hmm. talked about. But for some reason, yeah, it's not that hard for me to throw on Thor 1. It's kind of like the record you made in high school with your friends where it's like, right. it's not great, right. but it's just kind of fun. <laughs> and like... You look past all the stupid camera <laughs> angles that inhabit 70% of this movie, <laughs> yeah. um, and you kind of just 
You kind of just enjoy seeing seeing Thor with his bleached brows yep. just doing his thing, you know? Yep. It's Man. just a weird space, but I, I don't I don't dislike it. That's what's yeah. weird. It's it, it it's funny. It's one of those things that we've talked about where in, in some ways it's an easier rewatch for me than a movie like like Winter Soldier, which is a clearly much, much better film. Um, and I think partially because it's just it is so silly for a lot of it. And I think the aesthetics are just kind of fun. Like it's not again, it's like oh, way over the top. But I do really love, especially in light of of kind of where the the Thor franchise goes and what happens with Asgard down the line, uh, kind of looking back at the way that it's initially introduced. And I do really like the way that that was visualized. Um, and I think it's one of those, it's one of those times where, you know, it's sort of like, um, like the way that Age of Ultron we talk about is kind of like ends up being, however you feel about that movie, I think the peak MCU, not in quality, but in terms of feel, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like whenever they're looking back on things, like before they all like fractured and fell apart, like in Civil War and Infinity War, you're kind of looking back specifically to the certain era. And I feel like you that's always what, make a big deal of that. You love the like golden era where before things went bad. <laughs> right. right. And, and, and of course, like, because I don't want you people do. writing in. I'm not saying I'm not saying at all it's peak MCU that or this in terms of Robbie of thinks Thor one's better than Winter Soldier. <laughs> What's wrong with him? I just think it's one of those like, you know, it, it, Ragnarok in particular and Infinity War are, are, are such like deconstructions of the Thor Asgard mythos that I think you you have to have the thing to be deconstructed, right? Like there has to be somewhere where you you see it sort of in its like prime in, in some way. And so I think what's fun is we see that with Asgard here. We see that with Thor here in certain ways. And we see like in a, in a kind of fun uh, homage to the comics even kind of quintessential Loki here uh, in the way right. that he's introduced. And I have to add on the review front, this movie maybe has the greatest MCU line ever written for any film, which is, do not mistake my appetite for apathy. It's <laughs> 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 the best line ever while hitting tables with his fist. Do not mistake with, my appetite for apathy. <laughs> with, the, uh, with the old Dutch angle there. Unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> it's such a high school movie in that way. Anyways, though. So... I was going to say Loki on my rewatch is such a fascinating character storyline wise and acting wise, because it's not even debatable that just like a lot of the other MCU characters, Tom Hiddleston has gone, he's on the full gamut of mm -hmm. coming into his own as an, as an actor, yes. you know, like he, like he is, he looks young in this movie. He looks not settled in uncomfortable. We've talked about mm -hmm. overacting at times, but this just weird because like that is not the Tom Hiddleston we eventually get. Oh, so yeah. it just is a weird intro into him. But as a character, one thing I've always loved about Loki and even this movie does well is, you know how we joke about like, what is the extent of his magic right. and how that's kind of a problem. But at the same time, He's the god of mischief, and truly, when you look at his arc over all these films, but even the introduction here in Thor 1, mm -hmm. I don't know always what's going on in his head. Like, I don't yeah. know if I emotionally feel like he's a good guy, or is he bad? I, I don't, 
and even all the way through the end, right. like when he when he dies in Infinity War, I don't do I is he is that a sad moment? Is he bad? Is right. he a good guy? It's very weird. So like as far as maybe that was unintentional because it's different directors and it's different writers, but I am left with just a very confused about what is happening with Loki, and I almost wonder if that's kind of the point. Yeah. No, I think that that's, I mean, it, they've done a really good job of mirroring the the character's comic book history, which we'll talk more about here in a second, um, in, in the, the sort of ambiguity and the do you root for him, do you not? And, and I think Ragnarok actually really addresses that head on in a conversation between Thor and Loki towards the end of that movie that I really love. But yeah, I mean, here, it, what's so fun is we have... We have the introduction of both of those characters in their kind of most Shakespearean form, uh, which right. I think we've said before is fitting because Kenneth Branagh is, is known for uh, being something of a, of a Shakespeare nut and has both acted in and directed actual Shakespearean projects. Um, and, and for Thor, I think he loses that a bit with good reason over time. Mm-hmm. But I think that with Loki, that really works. And and I think that, like I've said before, I really like where the character goes in in Thor The Dark World. Like, I think Tom Hiddleston's performance there is so good. And I think it's because he kind of ditches the the clunkier parts of that, but leans into the the great kind of, like, the the Iago sort of a thing from Othello. Like, he, <laughs> he just, yeah. he goes into this, like, Really, like what you're talking about, like you never quite know what's going on. And I think his role in this movie is such a great example because you're right. You open up and one, it's just crazy. He he looks so young in this movie. He does. That's what I'm saying. And he's got like a it's like a baby face, which works really well because I later on as you go, he looks a little bit more like conniving, right? Like it, in, in part of the way that he presents himself. But here you can totally kind of see the deer in the headlights. Like for the first chunk of this movie, you can totally see him being a, a good guy, like in being like what you're saying, someone that's just maybe gotten confused or fallen into these weird circumstances. Right. I was asking myself that question. Like the first time I saw this and because I knew nothing about Loki or Thor at all, I was curious, did I think he was good at first. And I almost think it probably is believable when he's first yeah. just helping. Like even he's the one trying to talk Thor out of going to um, the Frost Giants. Right. So like, I, I think you would kind of buy that. And then to, you know, on a rewatch, his motivations make sense too, right? Like he doesn't feel like he fits in the family. He right. just went to visit the Frost Giants and found out he can turn blue like them. Right. So he's questioning all that stuff. So I think his like, again, my takeaway is like, it's not that he's ever going to be the big bad. He's not mm-hmm. Thanos. Like he doesn't have the power of that. He, and his character is not that vibe. Right. But they do a good job of like the, the behind the scenes mischievous part. So even when he's questioning to bring in the um, destroyer and to bring the frost giants in and like, and then in later movies that he knows secret paths in and out of Asgard and like that part, they do pretty well to me. And it's an interesting villain to choose for the Avengers because of that 
because of that. Like he's yeah. not the obvious, like this is the bad guy. It's more like he's trying to pull strings behind the scenes. And then it's like, Oh crap, what have I gotten myself into? Like, this is not what I intended. Right. Yeah. Which I, I think works so well. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second when we, when we get into Avengers, but here, yeah. I mean, we, we meet him there at the beginning um, as as Thor is about to take the throne. And you see there are some hints of jealousy there. Um, or, or and like, there's even some uncertainty, I think, from him about, like, on the one hand, I, th- I think he's legitimately jealous. On the other hand, I think he probably does know that Thor is not ready for that. Like, I think he's probably a, a bit more clear-eyed than, than the, the other Warriors 3, which ends up being borne out. And, and what's interesting is we find out eventually that he's the one that lets the Frost Giants in. Um, and he says at first that that's just to kind of spoil Thor's day. Like, I think that he never intended for that to, to turn into what it did, to turn into Thor being banished and everything that happens afterwards. Um, and I think that speaks to, sort of to your point about, like, like, at what point really does he go from being the just doing mischief to doing evil. Like it, you know, where's the, when does he cross that line? Because he definitely does in this movie, but we start out with him arguably still being on Thor's team for the most part, but just can't quite let him like have his day without him raining on it a little bit. Yeah. What's really interesting about Thor and Loki in general is that unlike other comic characters, they're not just from comic books, right? They're also from like mythology of Norse mythology. So like they have other inherent characteristics and storylines that have been written into them as characters, you know, years ago, right? Has nothing to do with Marvel. And so it's interesting to see Marvel bring a character like that in. And I think one of the ways that you're always left wondering how much is it like Loki is what you're saying. Is it that he's just mischievous or is he evil? Because I buy the mischievous thing like you brought up. Okay. This is just to spoil Thor's day. But at the same time, I would say devil's advocate is I feel like more often on a rewatch, he feels just kind of dark from the beginning. Like Hmm. I don't, like what if he's just trying to spoil Thor's day? What did he think was going to happen? Those people were going to die, or somebody yeah, no, was going yeah, to attack. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's just what pretty, he tells us. That's what he tells right, us. Right, right. But I but think yeah. that's part of the whole thing. Is like yeah, he's no. saying that, but I don't really think that's the case, right? Well, Which is kind of the whole point of his entire character all the way through. Well, yeah, no, totally. But I think what's really interesting about that is is either way, I think that there's a real shift that happens for Loki. Whenever he goes to Jotunheim and first sees the blue on his skin, I think that there is like a a pain that comes out because he's going from like I, I think he's all he, we, he talks about this in Avengers like living in Thor's shadow, and I think that's probably the last straw where it's like not only has he felt like forever that he doesn't belong, but now he realizes that he kind of literally doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and True. I think that's where it goes from being where he's kind of flirting with just unraveling some threads to kind of like full on rebellion and betrayal and, you know, anarchy. Uh, but uh, then it's interesting, too, because like in Avengers, I think there is a genuine moment where he realizes he's in over his head a little bit. Like, it, mm-hmm. like I don't always feel pure evil from him either, you know? Right. 
Yeah, no, I think that's true. And and that like that's a line that that Tom Hiddleston has walked so well, like giving us those little moments. And the and the longer he goes, the the more subtle they get. Um, tell me is tell not one of the me. more <laughs> moments. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that's sort of the that is the the dance that he's doing through this movie. Although I I did notice this time. Like I always think of him, especially now, as kind of like um, half villain, half like antihero. But you know, like even Avengers aside, he does he does try to kill Thor in this movie. You know, like right. He goes from he goes from like I'm gonna let these like and, and even if you look at his plan as he never meant for Odin to die when he lets him into Asgard, and he just wanted a way to kind of take his take what he thought was his rightful place on the throne. Like, if you think about what he's doing with the Destroyer, my my sense is he intended to just straight murder his brother <laughs> there at the end of the movie. So, I mean, he is, he is a bad guy. My favorite scene of that is when Thor is at his most vulnerable and he's tied up as Donald Blake, <laughs> and then Loki visits him. That feels mm. like the most cruel Loki we get. Like, he get, he visits him, he, he sees... Thor, his brother, is in so much pain, and he chooses to lie to him about his father, knowing that's going to hurt him, and then tell him mm-hmm. he can never come back. At that point, I'm with you. I think he wants to kill him. I think he is not flirting that line anymore, you know? Right. You know, I'm glad you bring that scene up um, because that I, I love that scene too, and that's one of those where I do feel like uh, they're a bit more settled in in this movie them being Hemsworth and, and Hiddleston um, because that they're in that camp there, you know, kind of built around the hammer. And one of the things that I noticed on this rewatch um, that I have somehow never picked up on before, do you know the very first scene, I mean, pretty early in the movie when the guy in the truck drives out and finds the hammer and tries to pick it up and he's like, huh. And then, you know, obviously the big t- kind of tailgate party comes. Which is fun. Yep. Which is fun, yeah. Um, the guy that first gets out of the truck to try to lift it is actually J. Michael Straczynski. Oh, who is, the writer. Who is, yeah, the, the writer of the of a, a pretty famous Thor run um, from the late 2000s, I believe would have been the writer of Thor when this movie was in production. Uh, so I did not it, know that. I didn't either, uh, and I just looked up and I was like, "Wait a second, I know that guy," uh, which is, which is kind of a, a perfect transition for us actually, because um, as we're looking through this week at films that we can be watching to get ready for for Loki, um, if if that's not quite enough for you, uh, and you want <laughs> not just things to watch, but also maybe some things to read, then we have some. Robbie's recommended reading. Oh, for let's you. go. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So it's the full complete experience. You could watch the movies again, listen to Friends from Work podcast, and then also read the comics. Then you'll be prepared. <laughs> then your yep. mind will be right. <laughs> so that's why we're excited to announce the hip comic. Robbie's recommended reading section now coming to Friends from Work. 
Um, and starting with this week, we're going to be introducing different comics that we think that you'll really love as you're getting ready for Loki. And like I said, it's a perfect transition because the first comic that I think you guys should check out is J. Michael Straczynski and Olivier Coipel's Thor comic, which I think a lot of folks consider to be sort of the start of the modern Thor era. Um, they're both legends in the comics world, and and Olivier is is maybe the preeminent modern Thor artist. And it's just a it's a beautiful book. It, it happens right there in what I consider to be one of the kind of peak moments of the Marvel Comics universe. Whenever Bendis is doing. A lot of his writing there in the New Avengers kind of post-Civil War age. So it's a really fun place to start if you're looking to get involved in Thor comics. But for our purposes, it's an especially fun place to start if you want to read some modern Loki comics. And I say that because sort of like the movie that we've just been talking about, this series shows um, some of those really kind of classic Loki moments of him being sort of Machiavellian and, and evil and going straight into like hardcore villain mode, which is where he lived for most of the old school comics. But it gives you a perfect transition there at the end into uh, the version of Loki that you start to get in the comics that kind of reflects some of the versions that you get in the movies, and we'll talk about those soon, um, and we'll be recommending one each episode, like we said, that you can go follow up on. But uh, what's really exciting, though, is that, you know, we're talking about some new uh, partnerships that Friends From Work has. One that I think I, I, I couldn't be more excited about right now is we are getting the opportunity to, to work with a company called Hip Comic. Folks that have been following along to the podcast know that we are always recommending that if possible, uh, when you go out and, and buy these comic books, that you support your local comic book store. Uh, it's super easy to go on on Amazon or do the big retailer thing, and, and we totally understand there's no, no shame there, but a lot of these comic book stores are really the lifeblood of the, of the industry, and it's, it's what keeps them going. And beyond that, they're just it, they're great people, and it's a great way to kind of support the, the local community there. However, as you've heard us say, the last year has been especially hard on some of those shops because for the longest time, they were just totally shuttered. And a lot of folks were trying to figure out how to transition into purely curbside stuff during the pandemic. And, and then even now, as people have gotten more used to, to reading exclusively digitally or, again, just ordering things um, to be shipped to them through some of these big retailers – What's really cool about Hip Comic is it's a platform that is it's built by collectors for collectors. What it is is a sort of marketplace for you to go and shop for the comic books that you want to read, some of the comic books that we recommend, and you can still get them online. It's still super convenient. You can either do sort of a buy it now option. They'll have these fun auctions that you can be a part of. But the great thing is instead of, you know, giving your money to Amazon or to eBay or whoever, you're still supporting the local comic book stores that utilize this platform. So it's kind of the best of both worlds where you have access to this massive catalog. You can still get things in print, which I always think is the best way to read comics. And you get to know that you're supporting some of these great kind of classic uh, institutions of the, of the comic book enterprise. 
Hipcomics' vision is to help comic book shops thrive by building products to help them grow in the digital age. And that's a, a vision that we're totally behind. And, and I think it, it really is an awesome place for you to go and check out some of these books. So if, if you're interested in checking out this first recommendation um, or any of the other books that we'll be talking about later this week, go and check out hipcomic.com slash FFW. That's H-I-P-C-O-M-I-C. Um, to check out this comic and all the other comics that we'll be announcing this week. Like we said, it's a great way to get your comics easy and also support these local comic book stores um, that are so important to this community. Again, that is hipcomic.com slash FFW. But this episode is not just a Thor episode. It's also an Avengers episode. And that was a very conscious choice by us. So at the end of Thor, we get to see Loki fall down the toilet bowl of doom into, <laughs> into outer space, the worst-looking thing they've ever done. Um, but it's interesting because, like I said, it's a fascinating villain for them to choose for Avengers 1 because right at the beginning of this Avengers movie, we get hints that now Loki has even gone to Thanos mm -hmm. to get an army to attack Earth. So we've gone a little bit away from the mischievous thing to just kind of evil at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say we're kind of beyond the pale at that point. And and I, by the way, it's it's funny. Whenever I first saw the Thor movie um, and then heard that Loki was going to be the villain for the Avengers film, I thought it was such a mistake because... I I was like I, he was he was good he was fine in Thor but I was like I just don't know that this is that he can hold down I mean this was you know in the in the years kind of after the Heath Ledger famous performance in The Dark Knight where it was really like you know you want for these big movies a villain that has a really commanding presence and it's so funny because I had so many doubts and then he winds up being this perfect like kind of drenched in this malevolence like the dialogue is so good he it's like what i'm talking about with leaning he does into keep the, the shakespearean theme still. yes yeah like yeah, i am exactly. burdened with glorious purpose. oh gosh he has he has some of the best lines in this movie and some that i've heard you know kind of being recycled um in the in the show to look out for the moment that he shows up is always one of my favorite scenes to rewatch. Um, cause it's just, you're right. It's such a shift from the moment he appears through the Tesseract. It's like, he's all like, he's in like the cold sweat. Uh, he just immediately starts killing people. Like he, there's no, <laughs> like, you know, I, sometimes we think, we think of Loki as being the kind of big speech giver and he is, but the very first thing he does when he shows up is just murder like four people in front of Nick Fury. Um, and then, you know, starts just kind of wreaking havoc. So you're right. It is very much like he's not coming in towing the line anymore. He's just straight in villain territory. As a quick side note, I just wanted to reiterate one of your points that I thought was so cool. You're right that Thor kind of over time loses a little bit of the Shakespearean thing to like in Ragnarok, he doesn't really have mm -hmm. it at all. But I never really thought about how Loki has kind of kept that. I mean, Odin kind of keeps it too, right? But Loki... Right in this movie in particular, has those kind of lines that keeps that dialogue going. But once we see him, like you said, and again, I'm just reiterating, but I love that point. 
I, I think because of Ragnarok and Infinity War, you kind of think of him as the speech giver and the nice guy. But yeah, he's he, he is murdering people at times. <laughs> so right. and as as the the army he brings to New York just straight blows up New York. <laughs> so there's right. a lot of property damage there. You know, right. a lot of right. damage right. that happens. But that's all because Loki, you know, has has crossed that line already. And right. once he crosses it, he pretty much stays there the rest of the movie. Right, and and really expands on some of the seeds that we saw planted in Thor really well on, on a yeah. rewatch because Thor is kind of fun because he has you never know quite what his end is and what he's up to and why he you know like letting the frost giants in and then going to meet them and lying to Thor and that's like here but but expanded in such a fun way where it's like he basically schemes. To get like in some ways is the one that brings the Avengers together, which is kind of funny to think about. Um, right. Like if not for him, they probably wouldn't have all wound up on the helicarrier there. They probably wouldn't have even started out as a as a team. But he does that knowingly, gets caught, gets them there, so he can kind of unleash the Hulk, and he knows how tenuous the whole thing is. And you know, it's like we, it's sort of like what we talk about, what we like about uh, like Zemo and Civil War. Like it's this. It's not like most of, even though Loki is, you know, a, a god here and is obviously super strong and has his own powers, most of what he does in Avengers is not a byproduct of his own power. It's right. just manipulation. Ooh, I love that reference. I want to add one other side note that has nothing to do with Loki. <laughs> I just, this movie was so good. Again, I'm going to say it again. At the time, it absolutely blew my mind. I remember... Mm -hmm. It all just working. I, I said this before in the, on the podcast episode for this movie, but I watched it with a group of friends, and I remember my friend walking out going, well, that was the greatest superhero movie I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> and it was so nonchalant. Like, yeah, that was the most fun I've had. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at the theaters in forever. Um, right. It was that good, I remember. I know some things have aged not quite as well, but, man, this movie still holds a special place in my heart. You know, one of the things I'm most fascinated about with this Loki Disney Plus show is what version of Loki are we going to get? Because track with me here for a second. If you remember, when the Avengers go back in time in Endgame, they go back to 2012, I think it is, right? With the Avengers. Yep. Where um, Loki has just been arrested for his attack on New York, and that is the version of Loki that takes the Tesseract and goes to the TVA, Right. So does mm -hmm. that mean that in yeah. this show, are we going to get a differently acted Tom Hiddleston, a different acted Loki? I mean, are we getting a Loki that hasn't gotten a chance to repair his relationship with his parents or with Thor, like we get in Dark World, Ragnarok, and Infinity War? Right. Because that's fascinating to me. Or are, yeah. because of some weird alternate reality thing, is that version of Loki that goes to the TVA going to be aware of like, what he was going to do, if that makes sense. Again, when we're dealing with like different realities in time, all this stuff is fair game to say. Like it doesn't make sense, but is there is there going to be some way that he gets that character growth still? Right. Because I almost kind of feel like the answer is going to be yes, Robbie. I know it makes yeah. no sense. It makes no sense because it should just be the version of him that's just coming straight out of Avengers. But I think they're going to find some way to not undo the growth he had with Thor in particular in those later movies. Right. Well, it's such a, it's such a fun thing that we don't really know. Um, like I, I like that. Like I like that it's, it's just a totally different setup than what we had. Like so much of WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier, we were kind of leaning into 
all that these characters had been through. Uh, and, and as we were like, that's what we were really excited to see followed up on. And this is almost the exact opposite. Like we've, we've seen Loki's entire arc play out. I thought it was a great arc and then it ends really tragically. And so this is, is more just who knows where it's, where it's going. Like you said, like we don't even quite know the version of the character that we're going to be meeting up with, but, but we do know that at least at the very beginning of that show, we're picking him up right right where this movie leaves off for the most part uh, with him having, yeah, like tried to, you know, murder uh, or basically commit genocide. <laughs> yeah, um, right. And then is, uh, yeah, apprehended and, and beaten there and and is sucked away in a, in a moment that we'll talk about later this week um, when we do talk a bit about Endgame. I still have a few similar apprehensions that I had when, when white vision was introduced, you know, like uh-huh. I, I don't want these stories to undo the, the meaningful deaths. Like Loki had a very meaningful death. It was a catalyst for Thor and for Thanos's journey. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've always wanted, you know, I've said like, I want the deaths to stay permanent. Like I don't want them just to redo this. I don't want, Loki just to again trick death and somehow show up and interact in our universe. And yet I'm super, super, super excited for this show. Kind of like I was with WandaVision where it's like, I don't know what I want at this point. I know story-wise I don't want him to come back in a meaningful way, but is there a way they do it and I change my mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason this week is extra fun is because not only are we preparing with with Thor 1 and Avengers here, if you're continuing the rewatch, tomorrow, a Tuesday episode, we're going to put out Thor The Dark World. We're going to re-release our episode there. So if you haven't heard it in the past, because I know we have a, a larger audience now, that's a good way to follow along with the movie you can watch, Thor The Dark World. And then same thing with Ragnarok on Wednesday. And it's kind of going to culminate with another special Thursday episode like we've been doing where Robbie and I are going to talk about Loki in, in Infinity War and Endgame and, and a little more of this discussion, but also, man, we had a chance to talk with Matthew Barry, who was on set for that scene, guys. Yeah. So how fun is that? So we'll play a little clip from that interview as well in case you missed that. But in general, I'm getting ramped up. This is going to be a blast, dude. Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect little little appetizer for for a Loki week that's going to take us full on into this show. And like we said earlier... Um, each episode, we're going to be dropping another, uh, hip comic Robbie's recommended reading. Um, so be sure to, to tune in to catch those and to catch up on, on all these films ahead of all the festivities. So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, we have a website, theffwpodcast.com, where you can get your friends from work t-shirt. You can donate to the podcast there. And you can connect with us through the contact form there. Follow us on social media at the FFW Podcast. And let's get ramped up for Loki. Cannot wait. And we'll see you next time on Friends from Work.